welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the feast of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. As we venerate the glorious memory of the Most Holy Virgin Mary, grant we pray, O Lord, through her intercession, that we too may merit to receive from the fullness of your grace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Zechariah. Sing, rejoice, daughter of Zion, for I am coming to dwell in the middle of you. It is the Lord who speaks. Many nations will join the Lord on that day. They will become his people, but he will remain among you, and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. But the Lord will hold Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and again make Jerusalem his very own. Let all mankind be silent before the Lord, for he is awaking and is coming from his holy dwelling. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. The Almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He looks on his servant in her nothingness. Henceforth all ages will call me blessed. The Almighty works marvels for me, holy his name. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age on those who fear him. He puts forth his arm in strength and scatters the proud-hearted. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. He fills the starving with good things, sends the rich away empty. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He protects Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, the mercy promised to our fathers, to Abraham and his sons forever. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. 
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was speaking to the crowds when his mother and his brothers appeared. They were standing outside and were anxious to have a word with him. But to the man who told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Don't know about you, but I was ready for a break from the book of the Apocalypse. I mean, it's great stuff, but gee, it's pretty intense. (laughs) So today we turn our attention toward the presentation of Mary in the temple. Now, I suppose we're more familiar with the presentation of Jesus in the temple, and rightly so, you know, it's in the Gospels. The presentation of Mary is a feast day that's been celebrated from about the 6th century, um, so it's old. Um, but the event itself is not given in the Gospels, or not the four Gospels that are in the New Testament. Um, it's given in the Proto-Evangelium of James. So like, this is an early Christian writing which wasn't considered to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and so wasn't included in the Bible. But, you know, for whatever it's worth, it gives us a bit of information and it tells us about Mary's conception and about her parents, Joachim and Anne. And it's a bit of a familiar story, in fact. Uh, Joachim and Anne are both kind of a bit elderly uh, and haven't conceived a child. And so Anne and Joachim, they, they petition God. In fact, Anne even puts on her wedding dress, um, which must have been quite the sight. And then she has an angel that appears to her and says, Anne, Anne, the Lord has heard your prayer. You'll conceive and give birth and your child will be spoken of everywhere people live. And then Joachim comes back from tending the flock, having had two angels appear to him say that his wife has conceived in her womb. Now, the Gospel of James gets a little... uh, Stranger, let's say. I think there's a reason why this isn't in the Bible and why it wasn't deemed inspired by the Holy Spirit. But Mary was born uh, to the great joy of her parents. And uh, it says that day by day, the child grew stronger. And listen to this. When she was six months old, her mother set her on the ground to test whether she could stand. And after walking seven steps, she came to her mother's breast. And her mother picked her up saying, As the Lord God lives, you will not walk on this earth again until I take you to the temple of the Lord. So first off, well done, Mary, walking at the age of six months. Uh, But I don't know that this is really recommended uh, parenting practice. Um, Carry a baby around until you can take her to the temple. Well, because it happens that um, they take her to the temple at the age of three. (laughs) It certainly sounds like Mary wasn't allowed to walk until she was three years old. In fact, uh, the Gospel of James reports that um, Anne had made in the household a kind of bedroom sanctuary, something like the sanctuary in the temple, uh, you know, a place of God's holy presence, and that this is where Mary dwelt um, until the age of three uh, when they came and presented her in the temple. In fact, they waited till she was three years old, uh, according to St. Anne, um, because they didn't want Mary to come looking for them, that uh, coming into the presence of God, that she would only be looking for him. 
Now, I suspect, you know, this this document, which, you know, probably comes from around the second century, um, is probably filled with a bit of legend. Um, and, you know, there's obviously reason why it wasn't considered inspired by the church when she was putting together the canon of the scripture. But it doesn't mean that everything in it's untrue. But even so, I think it gives us an interesting picture. The priest in the temple welcomes Mary and says this, The Lord God has magnified your name for all generations. Through you, the Lord will reveal deliverance to the children of Israel in the last days. Now that sounds just like the Magnificat, right? Um, Which we heard as the um, responsorial psalm today. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. Anyway, the priest places Mary on the third step of the altar. Um, You know, an altar obviously is being the place where uh, we make sacrifice to God. Uh, And Mary's life obviously being given as a gift to God. Now, bear in mind, the church requires us to believe nothing of what's contained in the Gospel of James. But we do have this strong liturgical tradition that Mary was presented in the temple and that she was given over to the service of God and consecrated to him. That sounds about right, though, doesn't it? From the moment of her immaculate conception, Mary was marked out for God. She herself was created to be the first sanctuary of God, the tabernacle of her son Jesus, the first dwelling place. And so it becomes an interesting little reflection then to consider that the temple which was built as the dwelling place of God now has Mary enter into it and that it now kind of needs to give way to her. All of the attention and direction that was ordered towards the sanctuary as the dwelling place of God now needs to turn towards Mary because she will become the true dwelling place of God. Her womb will be the place of God's holy presence. And so we hear the words of the prophet Zechariah finding their fulfillment. You know, sing, rejoice, daughter of Zion, for I am coming to dwell in the middle of you. It is the Lord who speaks. It seems interesting to consider that the presentation of Mary in the temple must have been both ordinary and extraordinary all at the same time. Unremarkable in its simplicity and yet extraordinary in its reality. The Blessed Virgin Mary is given this unique vocation to be the Mother of God. Prepared from the time of her conception, but prepared continually through her life. And, you know, in this privileged moment of her presentation in the temple, when Joachim and Anne give her over to the work of God. Given that, you know, according to the Gospel of James at least, Joachim and Anne were barren and, and had prayed and prayed and prayed in order to receive a child, um, that they might have taken the attitude that their child was sort of their possession, that this was something that God had entrusted to them as a gift, and yet they don't kind of fall into that trap. No, no, no. This child is a gift that's entrusted to us in order to give back to God because God has his plan for this child. God has his purposes for our daughter. And this act of presenting her in the temple is a beautiful moment when her parents say, Lord, she's not our possession. 
She's been created by you for your purposes, and she's consecrated to you. Now, here's the thing, right? When we turn to the gospel that we have for this feast day, we hear this moment when Jesus, speaking to the crowds, um, has his mother and his family come close to him, and, you know, they want to have a chat. Uh, and the message gets passed forward to Jesus, you know, your mom and your family are here. And, and he asks, well, who is my mother and my brothers? And then stretching out towards his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I don't think Jesus is kind of pushing his mother away to arm's length and sort of going, well, you stand amongst my disciples. No, no, no. He obviously has a very special and particular love for his mother because the fact is none of his disciples is his mother. But what makes her his mother is not only the fact that he was born of her, but also the fact that she said yes so fully to God's plan for her that she became his mother. Being Jesus' mother is Mary's yes to the will of the Father in heaven. And so she definitely enters into a unique relationship with her son because, you know, no one else can claim him as her son. And Jesus looks to no one else as his mother. But we've each been endowed with a vocation. We've each been given the opportunity to do the will of our Father in heaven and that this draws us into intimate relationship with Christ. In fact, he calls it a familial relationship. You know, doing the will of my Father in heaven draws us into such closeness as to be one family, brother, sister, mother. And it strikes me that Mary becomes the great example to us of how to say yes to be consecrated to service of the Father, to respond wholeheartedly yes to our vocation. Now, let me finish with one little word to parents then. Take a leaf out of Joachim and Anne's book and remember that your children are entrusted to you by God for his plans and his purposes. And so the greatest thing that you can do is to teach your children to listen to the voice of the Father. I'm sure you've got all sorts of hopes and dreams for your kids. The greatest hope and dream that you can have for your children is that they would take up their vocation in life and live it out to the full. Say a wholehearted yes to the will of the Father and then be drawn into God's family to have Jesus count them as his most intimate of friends, his family. So I would say on this feast of the presentation of Mary, to take a moment and intentionally present your children before God himself and consecrate them to his holy will. And then draw Mary to your side and ask her as their heavenly mother to teach them to listen to the voice of the Father and to respond as she did. Be it done unto me according to your word. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.